straight ahead with the 606 Club from Midnight Wednesday. You gotta do the work, you know you gotta do the time, and you gotta believe you can go the extra mile you gotta be strong baby don't you be nobody's fool yeah you gotta fight on gotta play it by these rules when times get tough when you feel it's getting rough don't you keep yourself down don't you keep yourself down keep yourself down gotta watch how you think gotta think about what you do don't look over your shoulder don't care what other people do you gotta let go bright baby because sometimes you're gonna fall yeah you gotta take a risk oh no you're doing it at all when times get tough when you feel it's getting rough don't you keep yourself down don't you keep yourself down Welcome to this week's Straight Ahead Jazz in Conversation with myself, David, and London's leading music venue, the 606 Club. 
Our opener this week came from an artist that was with us on Monday, actually, and described as the best current British blues singer by the BBC Six Music's Tom Robinson, we just listened to a great little track called Don't You Keep Yourself Down. Carrying on now with one of our guests from earlier this year, this is Rosie Freighter-Taylor with Crazy. Besides, after 70 years, the body goes there for is to unlock the door. But those are brown and criticize and sleep. And through a fractal on that breaking wall, I see you, my friend, and touch your face again. Miracles will happen as we trip And no, we're never gonna survive Unless we get a little crazy And no, we're never gonna survive Unless we get a little crazy A crazy people walking through my head One of them's got a gun To shoot the other one And yet together they were friends at school
mentioned that Rosie was one of our guests on the show earlier this year. Well, our guest this week is trombonist Rosie Turnton. And Rosie actually features on the next track I've got ready to play on the show this week, Deception, Story of a Break-In from Clement Mogere's Wildcard. And apart from Rosie on trombone, you've also got Charlie Porter on trumpet and Marcus Strickland is on the sax.
plenty more from Rosie Turton, the trombonist you just heard on that wildcard track in a little while's time on this week's show. We sat down only about a week ago, actually, and uh, talked about her life in music and what her future plans are. Plenty of great music to come on the show this week, including numbers from Joe Harrop, more from her brand new album that we featured last week. Alex Hitchcock, Colette Cooper, Brian Molly, and also Alison Neal. Uh, let's go in right now, though. One of our guests at the club this week, Neil Angilly, is with us a little bit later today. On Thursday of this week, Neil Angilly and his trio join us once again at the club. No doubt playing traps in their brand new album, Yambu. And it's from that album that I'm taking this, Love Shines Bright. Oh, 
This year's EFG London Jazz Festival is literally just around the corner. It's within touching distance now, running from the 12th to the 21st of November. Just some of the highlights include Imani along with Kevin Leo, Polly Gibbons, Alex Hitchcock and Zosa Cole, and also Gwillem Singcock. All of the details are over on our website, 606club.co.uk. Now, of course, last weekend it was Halloween, and uh, Colette Cooper, who I mentioned we had something to play for, must put out a real fun little version of I Put a Spell on You. It's, uh, it's a charity record. All the proceeds from the sales of this record and the downloads are going to the Nordoff Robbins charity. So here is Colette with <laughs> I Put a Spell on You. Put a spell on you Because you're mine I don't like the things that you do And I am high I can lie I can't stand it I can't stand it I can't stand it, honey, now Because you put me down
now I'm you Because you're my heart I don't like the things that you do And I lie I lie I can't stand it I can't stand it The way you treat me is a shaking I can't stand it, honey is once again a super, super busy week down at the club. Music every day of the week. And this coming Friday from nine o'clock, uh, it's your chance to see a fantastic, a brilliant six-piece band with their unique mixture of New Orleans groove and funk and to give you a little taste of what you can expect to hear from the coal miners on stage this coming Friday. Here is Old Records.
just a little taste of what you can expect to hear this coming Friday, the brilliant six-piece band, The Coal Miners, with us on stage down at the club. Right, it's time now that we get to sit down and meet this week's guest. We heard from Rosie a little bit earlier on on Wildcard's record. Well, we're going to start off the interview with one of our own compositions and then get to sit down and talk with Rosie herself. Straight ahead, jazz and conversation. So I mentioned that we had a trombonist on the show this week and it's Rosie, Rosie Turton. Hello, welcome to Straight Ahead. Hi, thanks for having me. So our, there's always a common link, there's always a conduit, there's always a way to these people. And for me, it was through Clement Magère, who I had on the show last year. Wildcard, of course, is his band. And I know you've just recorded with Clement, haven't you? 
Yeah, I did. Yeah, on on a single he put out. I think. Yeah, I got released a week or so. That week or so ago. Yeah, and uh, you're rubbing shoulders with the Blue Note Boys. Marcus Strickland's on there as well, isn't he? So. Yeah, yeah, that was like, yeah, pretty cool. with him. So let's just talk a little bit about your background. And I believe you've got South African parents. Is that right? Um, yeah, I do. Yeah, they were both um, born in South Africa. And yourself, were you South African born or were you UK born? Um, I was born, yeah, born in Johannesburg. Um, but we sort of moved to the UK when I was um, quite young. So kind of grew up in Britain. So all your memories are UK based? Yeah, yeah. Now, I'm not sure. I'm going to jump in with two feet and say, were you born around Lincoln? Is that your kind of neck of the woods? Or am I totally yeah. wrong? No, that's correct. So I, I grew up in Lincoln. Um, yeah. And then moved to London about 10 years ago. So I've been here for. So what was your youth like then? I know that you're, I, I believe there's a lot of music being played around your house. Your parents weren't musicians though, were they? No, they weren't, but they were quite keen, like music listeners. So there's always kind of a lot of music in the house, like a lot of um, jazz, like specifically a lot of South African jazz, um, kind of grew up with a lot of like Abdullah Ibrahim mm-hmm. and then the sort of, some of my earliest memories of going to sort of concerts um, as a kid was to go see him play um, whenever he sort of came to the UK. Was that with your, um, your mum and dad? Yeah, yeah. Um, so that was like, yeah, really great. Um, but yeah, they were just quite like sort of supportive of sort of me and my siblings sort of following our interests and like learning instruments and things and I was kind of quite lucky in like Lincolnshire like the sort of at the time when I was growing up there the sort of um county music service mm. and the provision of music lessons in schools was um quite accessible um so the kind of opportunity to sort of like borrow instruments or like have music lessons in school was kind of there which you know it's like really, really important that, you know, young people have access to these kinds of things otherwise. Absolutely. Not available to everybody. I've mentioned it many times on the show before, the county youth band circuit up and down the country. It's a terrible pun about to come out here. It's instrumental in the making of musicians, isn't it? It's the real groundwork of where it can often start because kids can show a flair or an interest in music without those county bands where they can go to after school. And where they can actually learn, mix with other, you know, people with the same mindset. They are so crucial to the the future of music, aren't they? Yeah, a hundred percent. Like for me, like it definitely having that there allowed me to explore music and explore instruments, and you know that, and yeah, sort of try out different bands. I was like all sorts of fans, like a wind band, like orchestras, chamber orchestras, and um, jazz groups and things like kind of really yeah just allowed me to kind of dip my toe in like lots of different areas and by the time you you got to the county band circuit were was trombone already your chosen instrument i'm assuming it probably was you picked up at school maybe yeah so trombone so actually so my the first instrument i picked up was the violet um, <laughs> so often the case that or recorder <laughs> i found just yeah or piano of course those are the three that always are the gateway instruments yeah, actually, it's quite funny. The amount of trombonists that I know that were also originally violin players or viola players to begin with was actually quite a lot, which is quite funny. I don't know what the connection is. But um, yeah, that. So I actually, um, it's quite funny. I actually found it more interesting to play the violin in these bands because the trombone parts never got to play the melody. <laughs> so I actually did a lot more of playing the violin. Um, when I was at school, but then as I kind of got a bit older and was more interested in like improvisation and jazz than kind of the trombone. Is, in that. 
age, i.e. and reach a problem with trombones, or are there trainer trombones for, you know, clearly younger people who've got less stretch, right? So I'm assuming there's different size trombones. Would that be right? No, so they're actually all the same size. But um, yeah, like, it's an interesting one. I think when I first started, um, I was having some lessons just like the local kind of brass band. Um, and they gave me this like extension to put on the slide so that I could reach all the way. But then when I started having lessons at, I, when I started secondary school, I started having lessons there um, with the trombone teacher. And he kind of was like, oh no, you should, he said that I shouldn't use it. Um, I don't, I think he, maybe it, you learn the positions wrong or something. Because it's, it's so, first, second, third position in trombone. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of like, I guess similar to like the frets on the guitar, like works in the same with like that kind of spacing, kind of like frets on my case. So uh, I, I often like to ask the questions that somebody that's probably more musically educated wouldn't ask. So forgive me if this is naive. I've never actually handled a trombone. Saxes I've handled, daughters are uh, sax player, so I kind of understand those oh, cool. a bit. With trombones, it looks, it, are there actually defined positions you can feel? Or is it knowing that is first, second, third? Because, of course, like with trumpets, well, particularly saxes, rather, there are obvious keys, aren't there? And clarinets and sopranos and so on. Trumpet, again, you know, I know it's valve position, but with trombone, it seems it's a much more fluid instrument to try and learn. How, how, do, how does it actually feel in the hands? Um, I mean, after, like, time, you kind of, yeah, you kind of just automatically learn through muscle memory where the spacing goes. I think I remember when I first learned, you can kind of visually, like, divide up the slide on the instrument. So like in its relationship to where like the bell is for example. Yes. So like when I was sort of learning, um, my teachers kind of did a lot of that, just sort of saying, okay, four positions like here and then through that, like, and then it'd always be like six position would always be as far as my arm could reach out. Um, so that was kind of how I, um, yeah. Learned. And of course you, along with every other brass and woodwind player, you're, you're linked to instruments through the mouthpiece. Are they, are they nickel? That's a really good question. I actually have no idea. Um, I guess nickel or silver plated me. And do you have to pay a lot of attention to your setup on there? Because obviously that is what gives you the wind into the instruments. I'm assuming everything starts with the mouthpiece and your embouchure. Would that be? Mm. Yeah, totally. I mean, I think for me personally, I've kind of had the same thing for about 15 years and not changed it. I think I kind of just, I, again, it was a mouthpiece that my teacher was like, oh, I've got a spare one, do you want to try it? And it felt right. And so I sort of stayed with that and I've had the same trombone. I think, you know, everyone's different. I think I've kind of just found an instrument that I kind of connect with and right, yeah. um, have sort of through that found my sort of sound and voice with that and kind of, yeah. And you've been speaking of this first teacher, was that John Crouch? Because I know he was very important yeah. in your early education, wasn't he? Yeah, so yeah, so John Crouch was my teacher. Um, at, when I started secondary school and yeah and he was kind of a big sort of influence in that it was kind of very encouraging and sort of like you know to sort of join he sort of conducted a lot of bands in the local area so it sort of encouraged me to join them mm -hmm. and like especially with like pursuing like interests in like jazz um, he was kind of had a lot to say about that so yeah and you mentioned a little while ago that you then from Lincoln ventured down to London was that for your stint at the Trinity Laban at the Conservatoire? Um, so I actually started going down to London a few years before I started at Trinity. Um, part of that was, um, so I met Abram Wilson, who 
was part of the kind of Tomorrow's Warriors community at the time. Um, and he would come to Lincoln actually to do workshops with the local big band jazz vehicle that John Crouch ran. Um, and through Abram, I got to know about Tomorrow's Warriors. Um, and I think I kind of just, yeah, just was looking for more like of a community of sort of people my age to kind of um, play with and like learn more. And so kind of through that, went down to like a jam session and got to know Gary and then he kind of was like, yeah, you know. Is Gary still pretty hands-on with it then? Yeah, yeah, he is, yeah. Still, you know, still about all the sessions and, yeah. And for those that might be wondering about Tomorrow's Wars, they produce some names, well, just top of head, Joe Armand Jones and Nubai Garcia, who's enjoying a, a real crest of a wave success at the moment. So was that yeah. your kind of alumni? Was that the gear groups that you were kind of mixing with? Yeah, yeah, we sort of were all there around the same time. Um, yeah, I think we all kind of started about the same time as well. I remember um, yeah, me and Nubai, like Sheila, all sort of started at the same time. And then Cassie is also another member of the band that we were in called Naria. Um, I was going to mention that okay. later on, yeah. Yeah, I sort of joined, we sort of met Cassie at Trinity, um, and yeah. And was Trinity the only uh, conservatoire that you tried out for, that you did a, was, were hoping to go to, or was it always focused that you were going to audition for them and that was your sole go, goal to go to Trinity? Um, I mean, I think I was quite open, but I think in terms of who was sort of going there at the time, I think I was quite interested in Trinity, just a lot of, Tomorrow's Warriors alumni were going there. Um, and yeah, there's people that I'd kind of met like at sort of Tomorrow's Warriors that were auditioning at the same time. We kind of, yeah, and there's other people I knew from like National Youth Jazz Collective as well, which is run by Izzy Barrett. Um, kind of, yeah. So I think that's kind of, I sort of naturally just gravitated towards her um, for those sort of reasons. Yeah. And so your, your sound. Was that developed through mixing with these contemporaries at Trinity? Because I know you've taken a certain interest in Indian classical music, for instance, haven't you? And, you know, I think some of these more eclectic sounds have been very appealing to you. So are you beginning to develop that sound through Trinity? Um, yeah, I mean, I think definitely the location in South East London of where I was, it was kind of a mix of the people that I was with at Trinity, plus the kind of musicians from the local area, like... Um, through nights like Steeds where like it was kind of a meeting place for like you know like a lot of people that um and through that I think a lot of Trinity students got to sort of meet that community as well so there's a lot of like influence um of those two musical worlds kind of more like sort of hip-hop and like indie and sort of music like that mixed with like jazz I guess um and yeah I mean I mean for Indian classical music that was more just something I kind of got into like quite a long time ago um, through doing uh, some collaborations with Samyo and some other like Indian classical musicians um, and just kind of also like being sort of like really drawn to the music of, for example, like Alice Coltrane and like John Coltrane and kind of... Fair sound as that kind of sounds. Yeah, musicians that were kind of taking concepts of like sort of, I guess, like ragas and kind of implementing those into then sort of like jazz compositions and kind of that thing of like moment jazz for me it was kind of like enjoying those sort of connections and taking like inspiration from like mm. the way that Indian classical musicians like improvise. And the way that Indian classical music is composed and written does that bear any resemblance to the jazz that you'd learn and to the, the, the I suppose the scales and, and you know just the, the various 
vocab that you'd learned through being a jazz musician, do they translate at all? Um, yes and no. I mean, I guess um, looking at modal jazz, I think like you can definitely connect the sound world. But I think from kind of like what I've learned, I mean, again, this was all quite a while ago. Um, but I also, you know, I've scratched the surface of in like sort of northern Indian classical music. Um, so I'm really not an expert on it. But um, I think like definitely like the sort of modes of improvisation, I felt like a lot of different styles. Sort of when I was studying with some like teachers on Indian classical music, there was a lot more kind of rules on how the improvisations were conducted. Whereas with jazz, that kind of moving outside of the scale it was sort of quite a lot about that and like mm-hmm. manipulating the harmonies whereas with Indian classical there was a lot more of like discipline within it which I sort of found um quite an interesting kind of approach which sort of like using that approach of that discipline I could then take that into like the way that I improvised within the more sort of jazz setting. Because I believe you have travelled a reasonable amount haven't you and I think the, the, the music you've experienced when you've been travelling has always been something of a catalyst for you for what you come back and write and work on. Yeah, definitely. I think, yeah, just having the opportunity to sort of like play music with other musicians from in like different parts of the world and kind of like picking up, yeah, ideas from... Sounds, like, techniques, sounds, styles. Yeah, yeah, the techniques, kind of philosophies, thoughts. It's kind of, yeah, really lucky to sort of have that and be able to then kind of sort of rethink that into music that I write in some ways. And I guess the, one of the main things must be that it makes sure that you're not ever too restrained, that you're constantly thinking in a wider picture because the world sounds that come through in your music are, to the uninitiated clearly are, are influenced by those people that you've met and taken on the sounds of. And that must be a great expansion for your music, which I'll come to in a minute because I know that's the title of your new project. But it must be part of the, the, a, a very mind-growing experience, I should have thought, great for a musician or an artist of any kind. Yeah, definitely. And I think even things that maybe like not consciously implementing into music but I guess those things that just like subconsciously come out in the music that you write and the way that you sort of improvise like I feel like improvisation for me has always been quite like a subconscious act of just kind of like an absorption of like hearing the way the people around me like so for example like in London just like absorbing how the other musicians around me like play and like picking up and stuff like that and kind of yeah I'll listen to
more from Rosie in just a short while's time. And the track we just listened to there was another one of her compositions called The Unknown. Earlier this week on Tuesday, we had a fascinating artist down with us at the club, Tommy Ballot, Hungarian-born, and he is an artist, pianist and composer, and his taste and style of music and the kind of music he performs ranges all the way from composers such as Stravinsky and Bartok all the way through to contemporary R&B and hip-hop. And I've got a lovely little bit of neo-soul uh, lined up ready to play for you now. This is Wishful Thinking from Tommy Ballot. I can see you I understand the place that you're in right now Yeah Wish it weren't true But all I want is you to be here right now yeah. I can't get you off my mind I wish that I could get to know ya Get to know ya a little better How I wish that I could get under your skin But you won't let me in So I I just have to be more patient I guess I just have to wait it out oh, It's killing me that I believe you're worth it I don't wanna give you up just yet You don't see me You don't see the way that I hurt right now I'm in pain Distraction, you can be my main attraction, baby. Cause I know you just need some time. Time to get yourself together, self together, a little better. If I could tell you all the ways I think you're perfect, I wouldn't know where to begin. So I guess I'll just have to be more patient. I guess I just have to wait it out oh, It's killing me that I believe you're worth it I don't wanna give you up just yet uh, Cause I don't wanna give you up yeah. Cause you're too good to be true You're too good to lose special about you, the way you look in your eyes, something special about you, when I hold you tight, I don't want to give you up, yeah, cause right now we just need some space, let the waters run under the bridge a little, be further down the river bend You have a change of heart and let me in But until then I guess I just have to be more patient I guess I just have to wait it out oh, It's killing me that I believe you're worth it I don't wanna give you up just yet I don't wanna give you up, yeah. Uh, I guess I gotta be patient. Mm, yeah. Cause you're worth it. 
Was Tommy, Tommy Below featuring the vocals of Johnny K. Palmer. Music still to come on the show this week, including tracks from Clark Tracy, who again is with us at the club this week, Brian Molly, and Alison Neal as well. That's all to come. But first of all, we're going to go back to our interview with Rosie Turton. Straight ahead with David Lewis.
So you mentioned a few moments ago about the seven-piece outfit Naraya that came about through studying of Trinity. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about that outfit? Yeah, so, um, yeah, we're like a seven-piece collective. Um, I kind of started True to Morris Warriors um, quite a long time ago now, actually. I can't, well, I guess around like maybe six or seven years ago. <laughs> so it's been around for a long time. Um, that kind of, at first, came out through Tomorrow's Warriors, sort of first all-female initiative of kind of trying to sort of encourage more like young women to sort of pursue um, jazz music. Um, but with Nareer, we kind of, yeah, just really enjoyed playing together as a band and kind of took it on onwards from that and kind of, um, yeah, just been playing some music. Um, so, yeah, got a gig coming up at the Jazz Festival supporting Charles Lloyd, which is going to be really fun. And yeah, I just thought, yeah, we just sort of like enjoy playing music together. So the gig's back Cheap. in the dough now then? Yeah, yeah. Yep. All coming back from force. <laughs> and you said that you're gigging during the, the jazz festival as well, just then with Charles. Yeah, so we're supporting Charles Lord at the Barbican, which is going to be really nice. Um, Big gig. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty, pretty spectacular pretty insane, isn't it? to be able to share a stage with him. So, yeah. And it's a good time to mention where people can find you. Easy to come across rosie.turton on uh, Instagram and then you're on Twitter, Rosie Turton, um, and over on Bandcamp as well. And you've got your own website. Yeah. Which is Rosie Turton. Turton is T-U-R-T-O-N, rosieturton.com. So it's nice and easy to find out more about Rosie on any of those platforms. Now, on to your most recent album, which is The Expansions and Transformations, part one and two. Music of Mind, I read on the website, is kind of what it's all about. So yeah. let's, <laughs> let's delve a little into the music of mind behind this project, shall we? Um. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. I guess like... um. I guess when I sort of wrote these pieces of music, it wasn't intended to be how it came out as it did. Mm-hmm. Um, so when we sort of brought it to the studio, I was following these kind of new composition techniques that I'd learned from a trombonist called Pete Simo, who sort of does more sort of contemporary left field sort of and sort of free and open frog music. Um, and he kind of does this technique of kind of um. I guess like melodic or rhythmic like sort of modules and sticking them together and then sort of handing that to the band and that's kind of the composition is kind of the sort of interweaving of these sort of different repeated melodic and rhythmic kind of ideas. Um, so I kind of took that idea and I brought it to the band, but obviously with every band and every musician, the kind of way these things sort of happen is all going to be like completely different. Um, and so the kind of plan was to kind of just improvise freely on, on these things in the studio and then I was going to take them home and sort of cut it up and do a lot of production on it and kind of like, I guess like in some ways like remix it into like another tune. Um, but instead I kind of listened back and I was like, oh, these sound just like great as they are. Um, and the kind of part one and two just felt like they really went together and it just kind of, I didn't really want to like pull them apart because I felt it was kind of this just drawing in sort of like part one kind of just like I feel kind of just draws you into this kind of like space which is quite all over the place and a bit like kind of disorientating and um and then erupts from this sort of this part two which is this kind of like joyous sort of Sarah Sanders like inspired just kind of like celebration 
of something. So I quite liked the kind of as well, like the sort of um, opposites of the kind of like darkness and light. Mm -hmm. And the way you describe your your writing and compositional technique, I'd imagine it's a very personal experience. I know that's true for most people that write, but particularly with your quite free-form and open-ended approach to it, is it hard to interpret or to get the other musicians in the studio to kind of understand your energy and where you're hoping to come from? Yeah, not so much. I think for me, like, and a lot of the music I write is quite open I think I write a lot of it. Yeah, I gather that listening this afternoon, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think it also, because I write it with, like, the musicians in mind. Oh. Like, that thing of, like, I was like, oh, okay, like, I know that. It's great, like, Jake, it's going to come up with, like, some cool, like, drum thing. But then so, like, kind of, um, yeah, and so I think with that, I, I quite like sort of, purposely being quite vague with things and not giving I mean there are some pieces I wrote which have a lot more like abstraction but especially with sort of expansion the transformations like part one and two that was I quite enjoyed just like leaving it very open and like the idea is kind of I guess exploring in the moment um, so rather than kind of following like a specific structure it's just like affected by like what mood everyone's in that day, like where we are, like, you know, if everyone's had like a stressful time on the tube, get into the gig, then. So that know, energy what comes gonna... through. So almost the good, yeah. bad or ugly of a given day comes through in, in the way you want the guys to play on that session. Mm. And then every, yeah, exactly. And everyone kind of has the space to, you know, whatever happens, happens. I quite enjoy that. <laughs> and is that, will you be playing tracks on that album during the festival then at the Barbican? Is that the plan? No, so actually the Barbican gig, um, sorry, if I might not have made it clear, it's uh, Nerea, it's, um, right, sorry. it's a band that's playing, yeah, so we'll be playing uh, tunes from the Nerea album Bloom and that gig, I think. Yeah. And do you think that your Expansions and Transformations project is something that's tourable? Is it something you've got in mind to do? Yeah, that'd be great. I mean, like, uh, yeah, we did a few shows in London over the summer with it, which was really nice. Um and kind of, to be honest, it's sort of like such a whirlwind of everything right now, sort of opening up again. Um, and within that, trying to write some new music for the band. <laughs> Living, I'm just trying to kind of like, um, yeah, just quite excited to move on to the next thing. And yeah. And how did the uh, the recording with Clement and Wildcard come about? Did he know you from previous or did he get in touch with you cold and say, look, I've got this project I'd really like to be a part of? How did all that come about? I'm always interested in you know, the, the fusing of musicians together. Yeah, first time on, he got in touch with me a few years ago to do some gigs with his wild card band um, at Upstate, the bar at Ronnie Scott's. Mm -hmm. um, and then through that, I've just done a couple of sessions for him. Um, yeah, I recorded a few tracks in the studio. And then during lockdown, um, I've done like a couple of those sort of, he sort of made these like home That's right. video things. So I've done a couple of couple of them I'll, I'll trawl back and have another watch then because it was last time I remember he was putting those out and he was kind enough to be sending me stuff through and it, because I loved the look of the work that Clement was doing that's why I first had him on the show that, bad, oh, no. that man's got some energy isn't he yeah I know it really does yeah. <laughs> well I remember coming off of him as I like bouncing off the walls <laughs> yeah yeah definitely it comes through and sort of um, sort of playing in the knee the key rights as well which is really nice and you mentioned a, a moment ago that you brought some of the stuff back from the studio and we mixed. Does that mean you also enjoy the engineering side of it and the technical side of it? Yeah, so some of like definitely a direction that I've been sort of moving into. Um, so the third track of 
that equally expansion and transformations um, was quite like heavily produced. That was all kind of recorded. It was sort of done over lockdown. So everyone sort of recorded stuff at home and sent it to me and I kind of like um, entered it all myself. So like kind of, yeah, I'm quite keen to sort of move in that direction with sort of like some new music kind of exploring sort of what I can do with that now. Mm. And you said you're super busy at the moment. Is that with your own work or with session work or working with other bands? Um, oh, it's like a mix, really. Yeah, sort of. Happy uh, way to be. Yeah, exactly. Like I kind of obviously like love sort of playing with my band and writing music, but kind of for me, like a big thing is sort of collaborating with other musicians. So kind of have been sort of really enjoying doing a bit of that lately. Um, yeah, it's been. And if I was just to put you on the spotlight, uh, under the spotlight, just for a moment before letting you go, and so I didn't warn you about this one, but tracks on your sort of Spotify playlist like right now, would they be very diversified in their sound? Um, I would say yes, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I've been listening to a lot of, a lot of different things. Um, Which is, yeah. I guess, the, the way that you begin to get ideas for the future, what you want to write by listening to all these different sounds and techniques and musicians. Yeah, definitely. I mean... Yeah. Also, I mean, it also does make me like quite confused. I think I know what I do. I'm like, oh, this is great. Like, I've been listening to sort of William Parker's like newest record, and then getting back into like John Hassel, um, and listening to some like really sort of interesting sort of ambient electronic music, and so loads of like things which I guess in some way that all related. Um, and so I guess taking little bits of inspiration from all of those. So you're the kind of musician that's got thousands of voice notes on your phone where you just suddenly get an idea and you're just like laying down some sort of groove and just as a point of reference for future writing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, yeah that's I'm, been away yeah. so often. <laughs> yeah, you just feel like on a train and it's like, oh, that's right. great idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I tell you what, some of these uh, phones are probably worth a fortune for all these voice note memos. I was speaking with uh, Rosie Fraser-Taylor and, and again, she said oh, exactly yeah. that same thing. You know, it was just suddenly get an idea and just be like a murmuring into the phone and that's that voice note and go back and start trying to re recreate that in the studio at some point in the future. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And just kind of trying to make out what it is. Like I have a lot of just like on a train or something with a little background noise and I'm... Like, try not to like, let anyone Look see that. Like, it. <laughs> it's like, just like, it's weird, like, the spirit. Like, I think people should be used to musicians on trains by now. So, must be great for you to be back yeah. out, out doing what you like doing best last year. Must have been a right pain in the backside, right? Being just sort of locked away, not being able to perform. Yeah, it was definitely like, um, yeah, definitely very strange. I think for me, like, the sort of big thing that I really sort of missed out was just like the community of musicals, just like, going to a gig and just seeing people kind of how kind of really taking that for granted before of just having those things there of just being like oh I just got a free night I'll just go down to wherever to sort of like see some music and kind of yeah that that sort of side of it I found like I really was missing um, so it's great to have that back I heard some musicians at The Hang recently and they were saying oh man I've got two gigs to man I was like thinking six months ago you didn't have any gigs so <laughs> you couldn't get through two gigs in a day is <laughs> Not probably something you should be moaning about right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Um, no, it's definitely great to be back. Yeah. Lovely. Well, it's been great having you on the show and just find out a little bit more about it. Oh, and one thing I wanted to mention, on your expansion and transformations, I believe you've got hand-painted album covers. Is that what I read on Bandcamp? Yeah, yeah, so they're all... Um, they're all That's an amazing touch. Fantastic. Oh, yeah, it was good. Um, 
it's sort of so like, uh, yeah, my partner is an artist of that. And it seemed at times we were like, this is a great idea, but um, actually hand printing three hundred <laughs> things actually like quite a lot of work. Quite stressful, um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm glad um, to have done it. Um, yeah. Not necessarily something you'll repeat. Yeah, perhaps not anywhere in the future, but um, no, I'm, I sort of wanted, wanted to go for that sort of DIY feeling to everything and kind of just make everything feel quite homemade. So sort of felt the way that that EP came about was quite in sort of a homemade way. So It was released yeah. through a label, wasn't it? You weren't self-released? Uh, no, this one and self-released, yeah. Kind of, again, sort of just following that, I just wanted to, to feel like this quite like homemade DIY thing that I was sort of offering to people and so... Um, just wanted to sort of represent that in the release and also just like also self-releasing is something that I've always wanted to do and with having a lot more free time over lockdown I kind of thought this is like a chance the time to sort of like try it yeah and like definitely like really good for learning about how the industry works and stuff and it's quite like um, quite a lot of work <laughs> of course but, you have to do the whole publicity yeah. bit well. you have to get it out to the radio stations the plug is all that kind of work behind the scenes to get your music heard as well don't you yeah, exactly. Just sort of inputting metadata, but I'm I'm really happy <laughs> that I did it. Like <laughs> it was kind of like a really great learning experience. So yeah. How sad is it? I understand what you're talking about when you say metadata. I have to exactly <laughs> say kind of podcast I upload. So when they go to Apple Podcasts, there's metadata in there. So hopefully it can be found. Right. So I can't yeah. even understand what you're on about. Yeah, but yeah, uh, that's repetitive. <laughs> <laughs> but it's done now, and on to the next one. And the next project in mind, do you think is it something you've already begun? at least having thoughts about yeah yeah right so i uh, yeah it's quite i was very lucky to get some funding from prx from make music um so with that i'm sort of using that to yeah record the new music from the album amazing that sort of kind release of next year um hopefully yeah yeah good stuff and don't forget you can keep in touch with what Rose is up to via her website rosieturnton.com and over on Instagram and Twitter are you a regular on, on uh, Insta do you put out much socials uh, here and there probably <laughs> <laughs> on a good day <laughs> the love and hate of a musician is part of the game isn't it it's got to be done to make sure people know what you're up to but equally it's uh, I know it can be quite daunting to always be saying me 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 and talking about me but it's part of the game you're in right for sure yeah exactly Rosie, it's been lovely having you on the show. Thank you so much. Real pleasure to meet with you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Great to chat. Rosie, thanks so much indeed.
I absolutely love sitting down with these artists and find out more about them, uh, their background and what makes them tick. And you could certainly hear the world influences coming through in Rosie's music. And if you want to find out more about Rosie, don't forget, visit her website, Rosie Turton, T-U-R-T-O-N, rosieturton.com. We welcome back to the club one of our favourites this coming Saturday, drummer Clark Tracy. I had the pleasure of sitting down with Clark as well at the back end of last year. And this is a track from Clark and his quartet called Jubilation. Straight ahead with the 606 Club and David Lewis.
As part of the EFG London Jazz Festival on Saturday the 20th of November, there were two saxophonists going to be down at the club, Zosa Cole and also Alex Hitchcock. Early next year, Alex is going to be touring a brand new project under the name of Dream Band. It's got an amazing lineup. The musicians on there are stellar, including Ferg Island on bass and Deshnell Gordon on the piano. I thought we'd just give you a little taster of what you can expect from that new project. So from Dream Band, this is Embers.
Hopefully, Alex and I intend to sit down before he tours that Dream Band project. I'm guessing it'll be either late this year or very early next. Now, a saxophonist that has been getting a lot of attention from publications such as Jazzwise magazine, Rolling Stone and the Huffington Post is Brian Molly. He's releasing a brand new album called Modern Traditions on the 3rd of December. And luckily, Rob Adams was kind enough to send me through an advanced copy of the album. And so from that, we are about to listen to Sarah Said.
admirers as far-flung as New York and New Delhi, that was Brian Molly, along with his quartet from the uh, brand new album called Modern Traditions, due for release on December the 3rd, and I'll be sure to be playing some more tracks from that set ahead of its release date. Now, earlier this week, we had down at the club a beautifully fluent and inventive sax player, Alison Neal. There is an interview, actually, of myself and Alison. We sat down a good few years ago now, set up on Mixcloud, if you want to go back and find it. She brought her West Coast quartet down to the club. She has a fantastic West Coast style of playing. And on stage there early this week at the club, Alex Bryce was on piano, Dave Chamberlain was on the bass, and Matt Fishwick on drums. And we're about to listen to Alison from one of her albums from a couple of years ago, playing How Little We Know. <laughs> Thank you. 
that's Neil from her album I Wished on the Moon and we just listened to How Little We Know. Unfortunately, we've only got time for a couple more tracks on this week's show, both of them vocalists. And uh, this coming Sunday, what are you up to Sunday evening? Well, why don't you pop down to Chelsea to the club and you'll be able to see one of the stalwarts of the British music scene for the last 50 years, believe it or not, a great blues and jazz singer by the name of Dana Gillespie. She's going to be on stage along with the London Blues Band. And here is a track featuring Dana called Something Coming. Time is right 
be dynamite I feel something coming Maybe coming Something coming from Dana Gillespie, who, as I mentioned, is with us this coming Sunday, along with the London Blues Band. The gig gets going from 8 o'clock, and all the details are available over on the website, 606club.co.uk. Many thanks indeed to our guest this week, trombonist Rosie Turnton. Don't forget, visit her website, check out her upcoming gigs, Rosie Turnton, T-U-R-T-O-N, Rosie Turnton. Com. Rosie, thank you so much for making the time for coming on the show. It's great to interview and meet you. So we've only got time for one more track on the show this week, and I thought what we would do is play another track from last week's featured album from Joe Harrop, my co-host here once a month, of course, the last Wednesday of every month we get together. Her new album has been getting critical acclaim. It's called The Heart Wants. It's been getting airplay on national radio as well. And as the great sleeve notes from Jonathan Wingate say, The Heart Wants is an album about love, life and music and it sure is it's a lovely album if you haven't yet added it to your collection it is available to buy and download add it to your collection now it's going to be a beautiful listen for you over these long dark winter evenings let's play out with a track from the album with joe together with pianist paul edis and this is what if thanks for listening and i'll catch you next week for more jazz and conversation what if the stars stopped shining what if the birds didn't sing what if my heart stopped beating? Would I ever feel a thing? What if the rain never ended? What if the sun never shone? What if our story finishes here? Would life go on?
become.